2: Grinders today. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender ed Blender HD. You're gonna follow me on Twitter, and it's Friday, September 29th. We'll be taking a look, a deeper dive into the uh, strategy of this Sunday's Week Four NFL DFS slate on DraftKings and FanDuel. Hit that thumbs up button on your way in the door. Give me those dummy thumbs. Helps us out. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Join with me. Long time no see. It's Kyle Murray. Man behind the NFL projections that we see here, or, or, or I met you uh, what two years ago at the or three years ago at the Roto Grinders party, uh, deceptively tall.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, three years ago, right before uh, the world got shut down. Actually, that's how I always remember it. But uh, yeah, it's it's good to be doing a show with you again. I know I uh, did a few back then a few years ago, so it's it's fun to be back and, and doing some more. You I'm pumped to talk some football.
2: Okay, well, well we're going to be talking about uh, large field. GPP strategy, which typically focuses on stacks, whether it be team stacks, game stacks. Uh, From an overall standpoint, Kyle, for large field GPP play, I know that's been a discussion point about like uh, bringbacks like people ask that in the discord and you could join that rotogrinders.com slash discord it's free you don't even have to be a premium member of course to get into my channel you got to be a premium member but the regular sports channels feel free to join us in there you could always tag me i'm in there all the time people like do i need a bring back do i need like if, oh i'm gonna stack the the uh, josh allen and the bills do i need tyree kill bring it back is, is it people think in terms of Well, if the game's a shootout, you know, big play on one side, big play on the other side, back and forth. Or are you mostly, especially on larger slates, not necessarily caring as much as like getting a guy on the other side of the game? Because, I mean, we have some teams like the Eagles with a 26 implied team total. The 49ers with a 29 and a quarter implied team total. The teams on the other side are the commanders and the Cardinals. Do you need, or do you need, do you need a, do you need a bring back? Or are you more focused on, let me find one or two teams that are going to put up a lot of points compared to their salary and just trying to get their players. So it's quite possible that you're playing like, you know, a three man stack of one team. And then you play, you're even just playing two guys without a quarterback from another team.
3: Yeah, I definitely think, you know, it depends on, on the game that you're looking to target. I, I think, naturally you know if you're evaluating the stacks and you know you want to stack the the miami and buffalo game i think naturally you're just going to feel better about a bring back there just because you know with the high total and all the dfs studs that we have in that game it's just going to you know you know appeal more but you know like you mentioned there's a there's plenty of games here where you know you could really sort of shoot yourself in the foot if you try to force in a bring back like washington doesn't really have a ton of appealing offensive fantasy players this year they just haven't really um now is there a world where you can say, OK, there could be an interesting ploy to playing them because they're going to be lower owned? And, you know, in a game where Philly does score 35 points, do you need them to push the pace a little bit and make them keep the foot on the gas? Uh, the, but the bottom line is, I think once, you, once you're once you talking large stuff, especially like a, a milli Maker type thing is you can really make a case for doing anything, essentially, just because, you know, if you wanted to talk yourself out of not having a bring back that that that's more than happy to do that because of the fact that you have plenty of other options and plenty of other games. But for me personally, I, I tend to like to have a bring back, especially just because of the fact that if I'm stacking a team it's because I like the game environment. So it's typically going to work for both sides. Uh, and then if it's a spot like Philly, you know, I do like to have a bring back just because of the fact that if they're going to be able to put up a lot of points, it's nice to feel like if they have someone pushing them to, to, force them to score more points and keep the foot on the gas. So that's kind of my thoughts there.
2: So on a game-by-game basis, because we have the, the – you talk about game environments, the best game environment on the slate, highest total, Miami at Buffalo. It's probably going to be fairly high-owned uh, in GPPs. But my concern on this – I mean, looking at the projections, and I have the your, the Roto-Grinders NFL projections, which, Kyle, you 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 work on from an individual standpoint the projections like like from a mean perspective obviously ceiling wise you know yeah sure anyone can pop off but we got Tyreek Hill we got Stefan Diggs we got Mostert we got Waddle in at 7600 uh the Bills tend to spread the ball around kind of a bunch you know Josh Allen could rush the ball in you got James Cook siphoning off things when i i ran lineups this morning using our projections and our ownership Just from a price perspective, stacking this game like Allen Diggs, Dawson Knox, or Dalton Kegade plus like Tyreek Hill, like you're severely hampering your line. Like the projection of like everyone else in your lineup tends to go down. And these, like, like, I ran 300 lineups, just top projected with a stack. Like very basic, very basic stuff. Barely got any Tua. And Josh Allen, I did get a bunch of, but the ownership numbers in comparison are fairly high on that. Do you think that Miami Buffalo, I mean, my, my, my initial read is I may want Hill, I may want Diggs because they both have insane ceilings, but layering them both together, it feels like I'm if I pair them both together, even without the quarterback, it feels like I'm just running into very similar constructions as anyone else that's playing that game. And in large field GPPs, like I don't mind playing shocky players. I just want to play them in different ways. And it's hard to play this stack in different ways.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. And you know, the price on a lot of these guys make that difficult at times for it to, you know, look like an optimal lineup when you're talking about the rest of your lineup just because, you know, it, it does, you know, like you said, hamper, kind of handcuffs you the rest of your build because of the price. But I, I think for a game like this, you know, from a median projection standpoint, it's it's sort of difficult to, you know, just only look at the median projection and kind of take that for 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 face value just because in this game, sure you have, you know, guys like Gabe Davis who we don't have projecting all that well because he's, his uh, target share has been pretty inconsistent they have a couple of guys, you know, down the board who've been involved at times. They have two tight ends that they mix in. They have a couple of uh, running backs that they've been using in pass uh, passing situations. So it's very difficult to really give anybody other than Stefan Diggs a really strong target share. Um, but you know, to your point, you brought up the ceiling projections. You know, we, we know the upside that these guys have, and especially in this game where we should be expecting a ton of points to be scored. Uh, I think Miami is going to be one of the best uh, fantasy environments for teams. Uh, all year just because they're going to be scoring a lot of points and you know they have a they have a fine defense but i just think that you know their their current priority is offense and and scoring points i think that's going to be a really good environment so um i I totally agree with, with your point on uh on the prices of these guys in terms of how you can get different within this game i also tend to agree like there's not a ton of situations in this in this game where I feel the public might be overlooking other than the running backs here. Um, I, I don't think many will be using the running backs to, to get their exposure to this game. So if you wanted to do that, that was something that you could potentially take a look at. But in terms of the pass catching, like, you know, neither of these Miami guys are going to go uh, completely, you know, under the radar of people. Like, like They're going to be able to fit them in lineups if they choose to do so. Uh, and, you know, digs, I think it's a strong play. Hill's going to be a strong play, obviously every single week, but um, I will say
2: Jalen Waddle, I mean, at 7,600, he's priced very similarly. I mean, he's up there in price. He's priced similarly to AJ Brown, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, people that are going to be used way more often. I think people see Tyreek Sealing at 9,200 and go, well, if I'm already paying 7,600, why don't I just pay 9,200? Do you think Jalen Waddle, even as a solo play, like as a one-off, is leverage on this game? Where Waddle Waddle's ceiling typically comes in volume, and less in big plays. So, can he have like a nine for one twenty-seven and two without this game really going off? Where you need Allen or Tua because the ownership. I mean, we currently have him at like two percent. I, I don't think he'll come in that low. Yeah, but to me, the to me the natural leverage point is him. But from a median projection standpoint, I mean that. He's, he's not the best projected player in that in that in that price range at wide receiver.
3: Yeah, I agree, and yeah, like you mentioned, his ownership will, will definitely come up. I would guess the projected ownership number. No, right, I think that's down. You know, the update will probably today uh, come in a little bit higher just because of the fact that he's been uh, questionable and on the injury report for the past couple of days. But he was but late last night or, or later in the day yesterday. He was taken off the report, so his ownership will go up. But to your point, you know, last year he was a guy who would you know have those you know more volume games where he was, you know, not necessarily breaking the big plays like Tyreek was. But we haven't really seen that from him this year. Obviously he's only played in two games, uh, and one of them I think he missed the last few minutes of the game after he got knocked out with the concussion. But, you know, his target share has been a little bit lower than I think a lot of, you know, people who maybe drafted him in season long or best ball or whatever expected. It's been, you know, right around or under twenty percent in these two games. So hopefully he can get back to a, a more, you know, higher target share here. But I agree. I think the second receiver in both of these teams, Waddle and Davis are going to be, you know, pretty good leverage points in this game.
2: Okay. Let's go move on to some other games. Uh, you you start and, and we'll go back and forth on games that you're looking as of right now, Friday morning, right? Projections will change. Ownership will change. We just got word that Zay Jones is going to be out. So, you know, the things, things are going to, going to move around. We don't know. We don't really know about Eckler, right? That's going to be a big deal. Uh, so what, team or game uh will you be targeting when comparing projection versus ownership so it's not just oh they have great projections but it's also in relation to how owned do you think this game or team will be
3: uh yeah so i mean i think one game that i think will be pretty low owned is this uh cincinnati and tennessee game um and i think it's somewhat interesting from Uh, a Cincinnati standpoint just because of the fact that you know last week we finally saw them they didn't have a great game efficiency wise but I think one thing that's important to recognize is how much they're throwing the ball right now Um, they didn't take many snaps under center I think that's something that has to do with the the calf injury for Burrow Uh, you know we saw a lot of shotgun plays and you know I know it it didn't look pretty he wasn't throwing the ball downfield much um, but Based on all the reports that we've gotten on this calf injury, it sounds like, to me, he doesn't really have much of a re-injury risk when he's playing. It's just more so he has to get through it. So every week he should be a bit healthier. And this Tennessee team has been absolutely atrocious against the pass so far this season. They've been not only bad against the pass, but they've also been a pass funnel because they've been great against the run. Uh, And I think this, this points to a really good spot here for the, these Bengals guys to bounce back and, and potentially break out on the year. And, you know, we, we, we talked about the quarterbacks in the last game. They're all pretty expensive, right? They're all about $700 minimum, more than Joe Burrow here. When at the beginning of the year, you, you probably would have looped him into it at the same price. Maybe Burrow would even be a bit more than Tua. So I think you have Burrow at a fairly nice discount due to his poor play so far. Uh, and obviously we saw Jamar Chase break out on that Monday night game. That's what, that's the upside that we know he has, but there's still more there, right? Like he can have, he hasn't found the end zone yet. He hasn't really broken a long play for a touchdown, obviously. Uh, I think he had a 43-yard catch in that Monday night game. But, yeah, I, I think some big production is coming for Jamar Chase, and I'm very curious to see where the ownership falls. In terms of receivers, you kind of have a, a cluster of guys in this you know, 7.5 to 8K range, guys like A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, all, all of these guys. And then you have Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson, you know, much more expensive than that group. So I think Jamar Chase is going to go pretty overlooked. And I, you know, T Higgins will have very little ownership. So this bangle stack, I think is very interesting uh, based on ownership.
2: Kyle, you know me, I have the ownership antennas, <laughs> right? I have the ownership feel. Jamar Chase is not going overlooked. I could, I could tell you that yeah. for sure. The thing is, is that people will play Jamar Chase and then look and go, well, why don't you just stack with Joe Burrow and go, oh, I- not Joe but Like, they saw that game, and they're like, like, I'll play Chase and then move on. So I think playing this correlated, if you're going to play Chase, I expect Chase to be one of the highest on wide receivers on the slate, which it makes sense because everyone uh, – the Tennessee run funnel, pass funnel, yeah. whatever they want to call it, right? They stop the run. They force you to pass. Uh, But I could see playing uh, Burrow, Chase, Boyd. I mean, I don't even care about the other side. I mean, they're probably – Playing Chig at the tight end spot at a weak tight end position, uh, playing DeAndre Hopkins at fifty eight hundred. I think maybe he's, maybe he's a slightly better play on Fanduel. Uh, for, you know, t- not touched more touchdown focused than anything else. Uh, I think T. I think out of all this, T. Higgins at sixty eight hundred. Like that's the one off guy of like how do I get leverage off of Jamar Chase? I mean, if you saw that last game, T. Higgins has hands of stone and chests yeah. of like he. He's, he's not been having a great year. He had a good game, but when he can catch the ball, he is he as much of a ceiling as Jamar Chase does. So 6800 at like maybe sub 6% ownership, sub 7% ownership, I I'd, I'd be down with that. Uh If you were to play the a Burrow stack, would I mean, would you care that much about even playing a Titan?
3: Uh, no, I, the only thing that I would probably consider is as ugly as it's been is taking a stab at Derrick Henry, I guess, uh, you know, banking on a, a bounce back. But that I, I wouldn't want to force myself in doing that just because of the, the game, because, I, in know, in a world where Cincinnati has a, a big game, they're probably forced to throw a little bit more that, that it's either going to be a close game or where. They're somehow behind, and I don't think that's all that likely. I think it's more so the the Bengals get there if they are able to score 30 points throughout the course of the game rather than have to play catch-up. But I think the name that you threw in there was pretty interesting. conquo as a, as a punt tight end. You now He's been decently involved, and I don't, I don't think he has a very high ceiling, but you know I, I think we're going to see him find the end zone a few times over the course of the year. So uh, if this could be one of those weeks to do it, I don't mind him as a bring-back.
2: Just that tight end sucks. Exactly. So, like, if you're going to play a 3K tight end, you might as well play a 3K tight end that's kind of correlated to other pieces. It's very similar to, like, catchers and MLB, right? Very okay. similar to even when, you know, if you're stacking a team. I don't mind triple stacking. Like, just play Irv Smith if he's in, right? It's like, fine, play Chase, Boyd, Smith. Like, what's the, the opportunity cost at tight end is so low outside of, you know, playing the Kelsey types, playing the really top end. That you know, playing a one-off 3K tight end, like the range of outcomes of those players are, are not all that different. So yeah. you rather rather benefit from correlation. One game I want to talk about uh, that's on my radar is, and it's not going to be off the radar, is uh, the Raiders at the Chargers, which is one of the later games. And this, and a lot of this is going to depend on whether or not Austin Eckler is in or not. And from a projection standpoint, I mean, I'm assuming Eckler's out, which obviously opens up our our, our, our favorite the past couple of weeks, Josh Kelly at 5,300. We <laughs> want to go back to that. But also, it, it affects Keenan Allen's target. It affects these wide receivers' target shares because they haven't been throwing to Kelly, but they do throw to Eckler. So on this side of the game, if Eckler is in, I actually assuming that he plays is I'm I'd rather play the Jimmy G if Devontae is going to be owned and Jake Jacoby Myers is there like their production on the Raiders is Jacob's Adams Myers and you're done like they, like, like, like they don't do anything else right and the, it's not like the the, the the Raiders have a 22 implied team total this is the second highest game total on the slate at 49 and a half. The Chargers typically play close games because they don't know any other way to do so. I want to take advantage of the fact that the Raiders are so condensed that why can't they play Jimmy G plus Jacoby Myers plus Devontae Adams and run it back with Josh Palmer running back with one of the cheaper pieces. And if Eckler's not in, I think if Eckler's not in more people will play the Herbert side and run it back with Adams then play the Garoppolo side or the Bobby Hoyer side. Now, once if, if it's Bobby Hoyer, now, now we start to have, having efficiency problems, right? Then it's like, okay, he's a cheaper quarterback, but maybe the Raiders just lay an egg. What are your thoughts on this game, knowing that that the Chargers side, especially if Eckler's out, is going to be kind of popu- way more popular? And I think from a price perspective, this may actually end up being the highest owned game on the slate.
3: Yeah, I I agree. I think that this one is trending that way. And, um, you know, this was a game that I was going to bring up as well. So uh, I I do think that right now for the Eckler situation, it does look like he's trending towards being out again. uh, But he still is questionable. So that's why we still have him in the projections. But uh, wouldn't be surprised if he's out of the projections today based on the injury report uh, and the practice report there. And to your point, you know, if Eckler's out again, Keenan Allen, and he's coming off of a 20 target, 18 catch game where he also threw a 50 yard touchdown, which I was not going to expect every week. Are you going to but... project,
2: are you going to project his <laughs> passing yards in the, in, the, in the game?
3: I don't, I don't think so. But uh, if we do and, and we get it right, that would be pretty, uh pretty spectacular. But in terms of the ownership, like we, we go back to Jamar Chase, these guys are right there at the same price. So. I don't think you know Jamar Chase is going to go overlooked, but there's a handful of guys in this price range that are just going to eat away from ownership at each other. I'm pretty confident that Keenan will be the most uh, popular one of this group, potentially whether or not Eckler plays. But if Eckler is out, I'm I'm very very confident that he'll be the most popular in that group, and, and maybe even the most popular receiver on the slate. Uh, and I, I think it makes sense. You know, he's coming off a game where he had 20 plus targets. Uh, Mike Williams is also out, so he's going to have you know a lot of offensive attention. He's been productive. So I think he makes a lot of sense, but you know, there's a lot of guys who you can say that about. Like Devonte Adams is $100, le- $100 more, probably be around the same uh, ownership number there. And to your point, you know, this offense runs through three people: Devonte Adams, Jacoby Myers, and Josh Jacobs, and that's about it. Uh, I think Myers is a really interesting play. We, right now, we have him sub ten percent. I think he might creep up a little bit more than that. Um, but five five, I think he is a really interesting one off play as well. Um, you know, if this game doesn't you know pop off like I think a lot of people are, you know, Myers can still rack up six catches for 100 yards and and really have a a solid day and and one that kind of uh is is make, makes for a strong one off play especially at the price. Josh Palmer I think makes a lot of sense as well. But I think one thing is that that's interesting thing about is Quentin Johnson maybe being forced into a bigger role here. 3700 if his ownership is going to stay. You know, as at a fraction of Palmer's, I'll take a stab at Johnson over over Josh Palmer. I like I like Palmer's talent. I think he's fine. But, you know, Johnson, keep in mind that they drafted him in the first round this year. They kind of expected it to be a little bit of a of a redshirt year. They didn't need to use him a whole lot. But this is why they drafted him, because they have two receivers who could never stay healthy. Uh And, and now he's kind of in this role where they've played three receiver sets a whole lot. Uh, So far this season and now we're here and he's going to be, you know, he's going to be out there. So, uh, and he made a lot of plays in the preseason. He's a big body. I think he'll fill in naturally for Mike Williams. Uh, So I think he's a really interesting play this week at 3,700.
2: You you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, we see these situations all the time that people, Eric, Eric Bynforth says it on the, on the early, the Sunday block that we have, you know, check that out on YouTube, hit that notification bell that people treat NFL DFS like NBA DFS. Yeah. Right. So, like, oh, this guy's out, which means every everyone else gets the usage or someone fills in and they're going to be the other. It's like, what happens if Josh Palmer, who's going to be a popular punt play at 4K at wide receiver? what is if Josh Palmer's role just doesn't change. Like, it's just it's the same role that he's always played. It's just that Quentin Johnson steps in or Gerald Everett plays more snaps. And like we have this like, oh, well, Mike Williams target share is gone. So it has to go somewhere. It's like, does it? Does it have to go anywhere? I mean, can does, does it have to go to Josh Palmer of all people? Can it all go to Keenan Allen? So I think the ownership disparity, I think if Eckler's ruled out, Josh Palmer's ownership will start going up more
3: Yeah,
2: because the target share will start going up because Eckler's, you know, you take that out. And it's quite possible Josh Palmer's 14% owned and Quentin Johnston is 4% owned. And probably one shouldn't be three and a half times more owned than the other. When the projection is only like three points different from one another, right?
3: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited for Johnson. I guess I guess we'll see where the ownership does settle in uh, with Eckler, who I could potentially eventually be ruled out, maybe even later today. But uh, yeah, I think he's one of the more uh, interesting plays so far of the year that I think are a value play that's been you know overlooked and underowned. Like last week, I think I think it was last week or. No, maybe 2 weeks ago when Myers was out like you know people were trying to talk themselves into Hunter Renfro and stuff like that and like so I we've had a lot of ugly value plays the receiver position come through and this could be one of the more exciting ones so I'm looking forward to
2: it. Okay, how about a, another game that you're targeting, maybe one that's a little bit more off the board?
3: Um I'm not sure how off the board this one's going to be. I think it's going to have some some guys be popular, um, but let's go to the the indie and, and Los Angeles Rams game. I think this is an important one to talk about just because of the, the pace of play. Um, I don't think either the quarterback will be super high owned. We'll see some some uh, popularity for Richardson there we have been about nine percent right now. The Kyron Williams number is very, very high, not only projection, but also projected ownership wise. And this was a number that you know when it first when we, when the, we first ran the slate, we looked at it and we thought it was high. And then we looked at it again and we realized it might not be high enough because of how so this guy's do you have, run.
2: I mean, what your projection for Kyron Williams, he is uh currently right now in our projections, the highest salary adjusted value player on the entire yep. slate at 6k. Are you are you projecting him? I mean, how what what snap share? Because we've seen him play like like both these running backs in this game, Williams and Moss, have played nearly, if not all, of the team's snaps. In the previous game or two do you think that's going to stay going forward and like I mean it I don't know about you it's hard to project Ronnie Rivers for snaps yeah. right it's hard to project like Trey sermon for snaps is I mean I I like the I like finding something in this game that's going to be leverage off of Kyron Williams but it's quite possible that I look at Kyron Williams and go, well, 21% ownership may actually be too low, and maybe he's actually under owned."
3: Yeah, and, you know, so the one thing about Kyron Williams is, you know, we actually, like, we forced a little bit of production in from Ronnie Rivers and Royce Freeman just to account for, you know, maybe weird game script, weird, weird situations where these guys are getting small amounts of usage. But if the game, I think, goes completely normal and it, and it runs out as the Rams are expecting, I don't think they plan to have another running back on the field or at least give them a touch. Um, like like this guy's role has just been absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, you look at his current season production, he has 60% of the team's carries. Obviously, that's with Cam Akers getting 22% of, or sorry, 22 carries in week one. Ronnie Rivers, Royce Freeman, haven't seen a carry yet. You have Ronnie Rivers, who's gotten a couple of targets. So they've played a little bit, but his role is just out of this world right now so uh, and then you look at his targets over the last three weeks you've seen his target share increase in each game week one uh I think it was right, right on six percent target share week two 18 percent week three 22 percent targets so I mean those are big numbers tough to continue to expect that and especially in a spot where they might be a little bit more of a neutral script obviously last week they were playing from behind and playing a little bit of catch up uh, and Stafford was under fire all game but you know we, right now we have met a 16% target share projected. And that might be a slightly, you know, a bit above his is I guess expected number there, but um this game's going to be one that I think will be pretty interesting from a fantasy perspective. Both teams playing pretty quick and throwing the ball, uh, the Rams are throwing the ball a ton. So, uh, I think it could be one that's a pretty interesting environment. And, and yeah, the, the Williams number is is a is a big one, but um, you know, the the role is kind of determining this this big proje- projection here.
2: So, how would you play this game? Would you play from I mean, you would think from a ceiling perspective, you'd play it from the Richardson side, but I mean, what, what do you, what are you pairing him with? I mean, this, it, it almost, it almost feels like like it almost feels like you could play the game with two Rams pieces and then just Richardson with maybe Josh downs. I mean, at 3,500, like, is that like a pivot off of like a Josh Palmer type one of the punt type of wide receivers that, doesn't need to get a ton of points, but I mean, he could put up a 550 and one touchdown type of line. I mean, it's just a weird way of playing the stack. Or would you rather do st- leverage off of Kyron Williams and do Stafford, Nakua, Atwell? Or with Williams' target share, you could still pair Kyron Williams with Matthew Stafford also. Yep.
3: Yep, I think in large field uh, builds, I would prefer to start with Stafford and pair him up with two of these Rams receivers. But, you know, if you, like we talked about it, you know, Kyron Williams, he is projecting as the best value on the slate right now. So, um, you know, I think that he's more than fine to be paired with Stafford because of that target share. Um, So, yeah, I, I think that's also fine. But if you are looking to be extremely contrarian, you know, I don't think that Puka and Tutu Atwell will have low numbers individually, but I just think that the combination of Stafford plus those two, and obviously not having Kyron Williams, I think that'll be a fairly unique combination, and I don't mind starting that uh, either. Especially, you know, Tyler Higby, he's missed the last two days of practice. We still haven't projected in right now because he's listed questionable, but you know, depending on uh, what the report looks like today. He's been, he's missed the last two practices with an Achilles injury. If he's out, he's been their number three target essentially, I guess, outside of Kyron Williams. But in terms of uh, run, wide receivers and tight ends, he's been their number three. So um, even more targets potentially being funneled towards Nakua or Atwell there. Uh, maybe a couple of guys like Jefferson pick up a couple, but obviously Puka and Tutu Atwell have. Had some really solid roles in this offense. So, and then you can bring that back with Zach Moss, who happens to be the same price as Kyron Williams, who has also a fantastic role. He's not as involved in the passing game. And obviously, with Richardson being back, you should probably expect a little bit lower of a ceiling. Obviously, some rushing touchdown upside is taken away. But th- I mean, his role has been fantastic as well. Sermon got a little bit involved last week, but I mean, Moss has pretty much being you know tasked with everything he can handle here. Uh, and I think that you can argue that his volume might go down a little bit with Richardson there, but his efficiency should go up because you know there's been you know tons of tons of proof where if you're playing with a mobile quarterback running backs are going to have more room to work with more efficiency. So uh, I, I like that stack right there with Stafford plus those two receivers and then bring it back with Zach Moss.
2: One game that I'm looking at that's not like off the board but may actually be sneaky lower owned than you think it will be is the Eagles commanders game. And primarily on the Eagle side, I think Hertz is, I mean, I think if you're playing double ups, I think Hertz is going to be like probably the top quarter, either Hertz or Allen, depending how much you pay up for whatever. Uh, The thing is, is that I think AJ Brown gets squeezed by all the other, by Keenan Allen, by Chase, by Adams. I think people, I think there's going to be more ownership on DeAndre Swift in this game. So playing the passing stack of Hertz, I mean, like really, the the Eagles are fairly condensed also. So like playing like Hertz plus Goddard plus A.J. Brown, you don't even need, I mean, truthfully, you don't even need a run back, right? Although, you know, you'd love the Eagles to get pushed, but Sam Howell and the Commanders, I mean, I mean, he's, he's playing in a way where like the Eagles could get like short field after short field, after short field, <laughs> maybe the Eagles just put up, maybe the Eagles do what, maybe not what the Dolphins did last week. But if I told you that the Eagles put up six touchdowns in this game, I mean, there's only so many people that they could go through. And if you're going to go away from, a, a I wouldn't say a chalky DeAndre Swift, but maybe overowned. I think that backfield may not be as solidified as we think, even though in the last game, you know, Gainwell didn't get as much action. I'm willing to go on the other side because I don't think A.J. Brown's going to be more than like maybe 11% owned or something. I mean, Hurts may be a decently owned quarterback, but just not sure people are going to be stacking this game in this price range. So I'm willing willing to take a shot, especially at the same prices as the Chargers Raiders game and the uh and the the, the Miami Buffalo game. So do, do you I know you said earlier that you're much more inclined to to play this with a commander on the way back. Which one, I mean, are is it McLaurin, is it Dotson? is it Samuel? It just feels like I is it Brian Robinson? Like I feel I feel as if any of the players that are on the Commanders that I could run this back with that there's a better player as a one-off on in some other game than necessarily this ceiling wise, I have to side with McLaurin, but you're the one that does the projections. What, what, what do you think about it?
3: Uh Yeah. ceiling wise, I would go with Terry as well, but I think, you know, back to our Cincinnati and Tennessee conversation, I think what I would do is look at Logan Thomas at 3,100. Uh, if he's able to return this week, he got knocked out of that week two game uh, with the concussion. Um, But, I mean his target share has been pretty respectable obviously he caught that touchdown in uh, week two and week one he had eight targets four grabs there um, and you know 43 yards so it this the the ball's been spread around quite quite a bit for Washington right they're involving the running backs in the passing game a little bit you know we even see Brian Robinson with about seven percent target share Gibson's there at 10 percent. you have uh, three tight ends with a 10 percent target share or higher obviously it's going to you know will be a little bit of a, a skewed number there because Thomas was out last week. But Thomas is third in terms of target share on this team, 17%. Dotson at 17.2%. McLaurin at 18%. So they're spreading the ball around quite a bit. So I don't feel all that great about McLaurin or Dotson. Obviously, uh, McLaurin has a little bit of big play upside. We saw Dotson score a lot last year, So maybe you can get back to that. But I think I would look at Logan Thomas actually at 3100, who I actually don't mind as a one-off play uh, this week either.
2: Okay. How about some Vomit? You know me, I love the vomit <laughs> stacks. Do you have any team or game that you're looking at that is not for the, this would be Millie maker only, right? This wouldn't be something you put in your single entry, you know, 500 person field type of lineup, any, any vomit stack, any, any, it makes you, it makes you, you know, get that, that burning feeling in your throat <laughs> going. I'm not sure if I'm throwing away this entry. Is there, is there a team or a game uh, stack that you're looking at that, could be really, really like, you know, we see Mitchell Trubisky has won the Millie Make. you know, like one of those types of plays. Like what, what game is that for you?
3: I have one in mind, but I actually don't know if it's going to be completely, you know, I don't know if the public is also vomiting about, it, or maybe they're just accepting the fact that it's gross, but they might like it, but it's Chicago and Denver. I mean, this is just two teams with absolutely terrible defenses. You know, obviously I don't really need to say anything about Denver. We just saw him give up 10 touchdowns last week. I know they were playing Miami. Uh, but they've been bad all year. So, um, yeah, I think this game is one that's fairly interesting. You know, you look at the the Denver side, and I think people just don't really like Denver uh, in general. They don't uh, – maybe a little bit of bad taste in their mouths after last year and how brutal that was. But Wilson's been fine this year. I mean, he didn't have a, a great game from a real-life perspective last week. But, you know, he his, his volume's been fine, you know, 32-plus attempts in each game. Um, he's had 15 or more DK points, so nothing great. But two uh, in week two, obviously a little bit of help on that Hail Mary there, but 31 DK points that week, so he's been okay. He's got a couple of weapons that you can pair him with. Sutton, I think, is pretty underpriced uh, at this number here. You know, he's been the the guy in terms of target share. Maybe that changes a little bit with Judy ramping back up a little bit. But you know, I, I don't mind Denver. And then on the Chicago side of things, I think people just stay away from Chicago because of how bad they've been. But you know, keep in mind when. Chicago was making people a lot of money last year, and Justin Fields was making people money last year. It wasn't because he was playing good football. It's because he was running for a long time without people realizing it, uh, and that's the, that's the big key for Justin Fields. He's not necessarily a great football player, but he can be good for fantasy because of his rushing production, and a lot of that comes from improvised plays where he, you know it's not like he's just being better than everybody else. He, he's just running faster and and getting away from people. Um, so Fields, I think, makes a lot of sense here at 6,600. Um and, you know, you have a couple of options to pair him with if you want to do so. I think you can play him on his own. DJ Moore, 5,600, we saw you know, he had a good game in week two, sandwiched by uh, a bad game in week one and an, an average game last week since he found the end zone. But uh, Fields and Moore, I don't mind that combination this week. I think it's going to be, you know, pretty ugly, and people might be afraid of it because of the bad production so far. But uh, I do like it. I think this game could be one that is uh, sneaky good for for fantasy
2: production. Okay, you, you're going to like mine, Kyle. Mine is based on the fact I ran lineups this morning. This this team stack in this game produces the lineup with the highest ceiling and mean fantasy score based on our RG NFL projections. So if you paired this quarterback with two of their pass catchers and have a run back, Kyle, I mean, you do the projections. Uh, Are are you gonna? Do you you know? Do you know what team I'm talking about? Oh man, I actually because you do them in you do them in a vacuum where you like you're not concerned yourself of how they're combined together. But if you actually ran the solver and said, "Okay, I want one quarterback with two pass catchers and one guy from the other side of the game," this this one comes up. I mean, I just have all the numbers in front of me. Just I wrote wrote them down. This one is number I mean this is over this would be higher than Hertz, higher than higher than Allen, higher than Tua, higher than it's 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 one guy and you're not and you're not like like and their team total for the in, in comparison to the slate is not like it's low, but it's not like it's deceptively higher than some other teams that we may be looking at.
3: Is it gonna be in the Pittsburgh Houston game?
2: That would be correct. Yeah. <laughs> that would be Kenny Pickett. Yeah, Kenny <laughs> Pickett plus Pratt Fryermuth, plus George Pickens, and with Tank Dell as the run back is the highest mean projected combination of a three plus one. These defenses look good, right? But also, these are kind of two like shit show type of teams, right? Yeah. Is it? I mean, CJ Stroud has looked good, and they've thrown the ball more, but I don't know if, if Pittsburgh's going to allow them to do that. We could see. I mean, I could see this game, the range of outcomes of this game being the common one that people are going to think of, of this game is going to be 16 to 10, and that's about it. And like, like a lot of punts and field goals and inefficiency, but it'd also be one of those games where broken play, pick sixes, like one of those shit show type of games that ends up being, you know, 35, 23 Out of nowhere, Pickens and Dell are both big play people. I mean, like, we're not talking about non-big play type of people. You could always throw in a Dalton Schultz. You could always play a Damian Pierce at 5,100. He could break out, you know, a run. I mean, Robert Woods is old, but, I mean, they may have to rely on him a little bit more with the Steelers' defense. Nico Collins, 5,100. I mean, these guys are, like, it's a price play. The reason why it projects well is because Price-wise, this is really cheap. It's the definition of vomit. It's a cheap stack that has a high median value. The ceiling is questionable, but Kyle, are you on board with playing Kenny Pickett in your most vomit-inducing lineups?
3: Yeah, I think Kenny Pickett's a fairly tough sell, but... In large field, you can do you can do a lot of things. You can do like, whatever you want in large like, field. Do whatever yep. you want. Like you, like you say, play whoever you want. And I think picket could make some sense in large field stuff. I do think that in three max single entry type builds, I think some of the position players in this game are very, very interesting. Just to, to kind of back up the projections a little bit, both these teams are top five in adjusted pace so far this season. Houston is throwing the ball a lot. Houston's defense does look to be improved, but when you are sort of in a spot where you have an offense playing fast and putting up points, you're constantly going to be on the field. And that means there's going to be more uh, production of up for grabs uh, for both teams. So if Houston can keep up what they've been doing, I think that they're going to be a really good game environment for both teams from, for a fantasy perspective. Tank Dell has been awesome. Nico Collins had a bad game last week, but he's been great in the first two weeks. George Pickens is filling in nicely uh, with Deontay Johnson out. So I think there's a a few guys in this in this uh, range of receivers, and then the running backs, like you mentioned. I think you would probably take somebody, you know, definitely not watching football if they wanted to roster Najee Harris. But if he's going to have a good game, this is the week that he's going to do so. I mean, Houston has been, is going is will be their best matchup so far. I know it hasn't been pretty for Najee Harris, but um, I mean, he looks bad. I think he's probably a. You know, honestly, I've been joking with my friends that they should probably consider moving him to tight end with how slow he looks. But um, Damian Pierce, he scored last week, 5,100. And another big thing is his uh, pass game involvement got up a little bit there. They've been cycling in between keeping Mike Boone and uh, Daria Agumba active. If one of these guys, I am I do want to see if either of these guys, if we find a situation where both of them are inactive, if that happens, that's going to be, I think, a big stock-up situation for Damian Pierce. I don't know if that will happen this week, but if it does or whenever it does happen this year, I'll be keeping my eye on that for Pierce. And then the tight end position, Frymouth I think makes a lot of sense. I do think he's going to be very popular uh, and we've talked about a couple of 3K options as pivots. This projection actually came in a lot higher. We actually had to knock it down a little bit. Uh, I think he was initially opened up at like 12 points in terms of his projection, but uh, the, the the volume's been a little bit inconsistent. But we know he has some touchdown upside. We know it's a you know a pretty good price for Pat Fryermuth. So I think he makes a lot of sense here as well.
2: A uh, defic in our YouTube chat asked about San Francisco since we haven't talked about that. Would you? It says San Francisco run backs limited to Ertz or Brown or in a single stack. I mean, my my inclination is that I'd much rather play Marquise Brown for a ceiling than Zach Ertz for a ceiling.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, initially I thought that there really wasn't, I wasn't feeling too great about a ceiling uh, for this Cardinals team with Dobbs under center. But, you know, 17 points in back to back weeks for Marquise Brown, you could definitely do worse. And he's only 5K. So uh, I would agree. I, I like Brown over Ertz. But, um, James Connery also you know he's sub 6k he's got a really good role over there um, so I wouldn't necessarily write him off either and he's a guy who even if they do uh, fall behind quickly he could still you know rack up some targets so I don't mind James Conner
2: either well since we're talking about stacks if you're a premium member which you can be get a combo premium package NBA is coming back soon you'll have MLB playoff content PGA we have got Ryder Cups going on we got soccer tomorrow we got tons of stuff: the NHL, college football, college basketball coming back. Get all the projections. Get all the content combo premium package here at Roto Grinders. Click on the link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. But you'll also get the NFL DFS optimal stacks tool for both DraftKings and FanDuel. And it kind of goes through. Like I'll quickly go, woo, there. Okay, <laughs> that's that's the, the the minimal. That based on our projections and ownership, Chris Jamino runs ten thousand sims you know, looks for the, at the top 0.1% of lineups and what do those lineups look like? What quarterback stacks are part of them? And then you compare that versus the ownership and you could kind of get a sense of what stacks are over-owned or underowned for the contest that you're in. We also have tons of content that will be coming out today. We got uh, the Sunday best, Noto's key personnel, uh, hitting the nuts, Squirrel Patrol's top stack, Santi's single entry strategy. We got all the, the consensus value rankings. We got the all, all the tools here. Slate IQ for the main slate. We got everything here. If you're a combo premium subscriber, as well as the props and pick'em package, right? If you just if you, I mean, Kyle, I mean, I've been I've been shifting my money, a lot of my volume towards uh, props and pick'em, and it's been doing pretty well. Underdog prize picks. Kentucky just opened up sports betting yesterday. Yesterday, I dude, my head was spinning on the amount of promos and yeah. stuff oh, yeah. like like dude if you're not taking they the thing is they won't tell you about all of them like they're all in like their promo windows so you'll see profit boosts and 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 bonus bets and whatever so like like dude some of these promos are are good enough that you don't even need to know anything in order to use them cuz like it's Kyle it's Kentucky so a lot of them were like like the Florida Kentucky football <laughs> game like here's a 100% profit boost so it's like like, dude, I could literally put this on anything in that game and it's worthwhile as long as you know, the numbers are reasonably efficient. Of course, I did a little, I, I took the extra 60 seconds to go. Well, where's there a little bit more edge than the other? But you know, I'm 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 waiting. I'm 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 having fun right now, Kyle. I'm waiting like maybe six days until uh maybe I don't get any promos and maybe I'm limited down to two dollars and twenty-five cents. <laughs> but it's fun while it's lasting. Uh uh this this weekend in NFL for Sunday, do you have any any props or pick'em underdog prize picks that uh, may currently be up or maybe slightly moved that you think still has value right now?
3: Uh, yeah, we have a few in there for the the prop model right now, so I, I can share a couple of those. I know some of the numbers have moved a little bit, but um, Logan Thomas over two and a half receptions was one. I talked about his target share earlier. He had eight targets in Week One. Um, and that's actually that was at plus money uh, when we had that over there. Another one we just talked about this guy, Hollywood Brown. Another uh, pretty solid plus money pick here. It was at 124 when we bet it. it looks like it's at 135 now over at uh, about 365. Uh, that's over four and a half receptions as well. So those are the two that we have right now. We, we do have one more, um, Alexander Madison over 50 and a half rushing yards. So those are the three that we have uh, in the uh, in scores and odds and in the, in the props and pick'em package uh, for the
2: prop model right now. Right, and I use I use your projections as well as Cardi's Blitz projections to look at the the, the betting markets as well as underdog and prize picks. Uh, as some have moved, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I've already taken has moved, like you know, five yards in a direction, or the price has gone up twenty cents or something. So obviously, you should be getting on this stuff as early as possible, right? So you know, Wednesdays. I mean, if you Tuesdays, even if you can get, but a lot of times. You could find very good numbers on Wednesdays. If you're waiting, if you're waiting until Sunday morning to bet props and pick them, then you're doing it wrong. Is that, is that I know some people are like, well, I don't want to care about it until Sunday. It's like, well, then you're just, that's when you're doing it for entertainment purposes only. But the serious prop players are getting their numbers in early. And some people would say, Kyle, well, we're not sure if Eckler's going to play. We're not sure if this guy's going to have, like people want to wait for information. The best time to get the best numbers is when information is hazier. Yep. I'm much more likely, if, if I make 10 bets early and get the best of the number, like by the time Sunday happens, that it's moved plenty. It's moved 20 cents. It moved five, seven yards. Nine out of 10 times, I'm getting the best of by Sunday morning. I've, I've gotten tons of value CLV or whatever you want to call it one time. It'll, it'll be like, Oh, whoops. Right. I, 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 I made that number thinking that guy was out and now the guy's going to be in. And now the target share is now, now the over doesn't look good. And the number moves against me. Like, I think there's a lot of value in, in our props and pick them package because, and on scores and odds as well, that you guys start putting, you can start, start putting stuff out early based on our prop models. And if you go back to some of those Tuesdays or Wednesdays, you're looking and you're going, how the hell did you get that number? It's like, yeah, well, we posted. You could have gotten that number, but you can't get it anymore. So like mine uh, that I have that I currently, I personally have myself for Pollard over 70 and a half rushing yards on underdog. It's 71 and a half on Prize picks. I know a yard doesn't, it's what does a yard matter? It's like, to me, a yard matters. Do it on underdog. Uh, uh, James Cook. Under 13 and a half rushing attempts, it is now at 13 on both of those sites. So, obviously, still value, but you'll push on 13 instead of win on 13. I know it sounds, dude, I'll take that. I'll, I will claw, I will claw Kyle for the half, the half of attempt, the half, half a strikeout, half a pitching out. I will claw for that. Also, Hayden Hurst under 27 and a half receiving yards, it's now down to 26 and a half on both sides. So don't complain to me when, when, uh, Hurst gets 27 receiving yards and you lose because you didn't get the yard, yard early. So that that's, that's, that's what I, three of what I currently have that, that have not moved significantly enough that I can't like say them now. I mean, I have plenty of other ones that like you can't get these, these numbers anymore. So don't even bother.
3: Yeah. Hurst right now in, uh, I'm looking at our spreadsheet right now with the prop models. I don't know what book it was, but uh 23 and a half, and we still lean towards the under on that pretty significantly. Uh we have the over on Pollard. He's actually that's the third, uh, the third best leverage pick of the week for us right now. Um, 70 and a half rushing yards. So the over on that. And then uh, you know, looking at, at our model, we also have James Cook unders as well, under 57 and a half. I do feel better about the attempts actually than the yards because he's a guy who can break a few big ones. uh. So I, I like that attempts play as well. I'm probably going to go put that in right after we get off the show.
2: Right. Because I already got Cook under 60 and a half rushing yards. Yeah. So like, so <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll claw, dude, dude, it <laughs> had, uh, you know, this over the course of a year, like, dude, you, it, it amounts to a lot, it amounts to a lot of money over, over time. Oh yeah. So the just ones to... that you win versus the ones that you don't.
3: Yeah. I, I, you just... could also
2: get a lot of these on the fantasy pick them tool that we have for premium members. Yeah. Right, so you can look at prize picks and underdog for all the sports that we offer statistical projections for. So you have MLB, college football, NHL, NBA for prize picks, underdog. And if you're a premium member, you don't even have to look at the fantasy pick them tool if you don't want to, because you could download the Chrome extension that we have for both underdog and prize picks. And we'll overlay our Rotor Grinder statistical projections over underdog and prize picks. So if you want to just load them up on your desktop and all you have to do is scroll and go. Look at the number. Always understand that these are mean projections. So you kind of have to think of the distribution of the stat, right? And especially on prize picks and underdog, you need a big enough discrepancy that satisfies, you know, a 55 plus percent win rate, like, you know, in a, in a five pick or a six pick flex, but we give you all those tools. So you don't have to necessarily download CSVs, right? Work in Excel, right? Have to update projections all the time. Uh, although I, I do do that because I have my own process that brings it into Excel and to other tools. Uh, but we try to make it as easy as possible for you. And, uh, you know, the easiest way, Kyle, is to just, well, we just do it for you, which is exactly what the props and pick and package is, is that, like, this is kind this is kind of, Kyle, this is kind of how the team picks the picks that we pick, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and we have guys who put those picks in Every day throughout the week, they'll get, they'll get them early. They'll have them, you know, leading up to when news breaks and stuff. So, uh, yeah, plenty of picks there. I saw a couple of Kyle Pitts plays in the picks and props. Uh, that one, you know, there's nothing better than waking up at, you know, 930 or 830, wherever you are, and, and watching a London football game and sweating a Kyle Pitts prop. So I'm looking forward to that personally.
2: <laughs> okay, Kyle, people can find you, K DFS on Twitter. Yep. And you're not Kyler Murray.
3: I'm not. (laughs) Nope.
2: no. (laughs) Do you still get do you still get Kyle? I mean, obviously, he's not playing this year. But I mean, do you still get those tweets like it does something wrong and people tweet at you?
3: I've never gotten. So there was one year. I think it was his his rookie year, maybe a second year where there was one guy who kept tweeting at me like and he was mad more often than not. And it, it was only one guy. And I was. Eventually I just blocked him and I was like, all right, maybe he'll get the, get the hint. But um, yeah, luckily I haven't really gotten uh flooded with that too much, but I, I'd never have, I've never had my last name in the, in my name that, so that way people don't really find me that much, but some guy somehow find me, found me. So uh, that was a, uh, an interesting time. That's for sure. But yeah, luckily not too often.
2: Well, you can find me on Twitter at blender HD. You can find me in the Roto grinders discord. Join us. rotogrinders.com slash discord. Hit that thumbs up button. On your way out the door, hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got Grinders live later today. Crunch time for MLB. I think the last time, the last time of the year, right? We'll still have some playoff baseball. We have playoff baseball stuff. Well, I will have NBA back for Grinders live and Crunch time uh, in in October. But uh, Kyle, thanks, thanks for coming on. And hopefully, you know, our may, may your vomit stacks be live, and may your may your over under own plays be monsters, right?
3: I appreciate you having me. It was a good time.
2: Okay. I'm here every day, right? Every weekday, 11 o'clock Eastern, going over what you're thinking about in DFS. Pick them. Props. Sports betting. Everything. On Roto Grinders. Today.